Happy Wednesday and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Apollo 13 Minute, a show where each and every day, Monday through Friday, we go over one minute of probably the greatest space history movie ever made, the 1995 Ron Howard-directed feature, Apollo 13. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And I'm the other host. I'm Chris Henry of the EAA Aviation Museum. And we're, we're at that big minute. We're at the, he said the thing minute. <laughs> yeah, he said the name of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's... it's it's so exciting. It's like, uh, I don't think they ever said Star Wars and Star Wars, but I know they did talk about <laughs> trekking across the stars in uh, First Contact, was it? So, yeah, he's, he, said the, he said the thing. Um, but uh, And it's funny. It's I mean, like, you know, just like uh, uh, Play It Again, Sam, it, nobody, you know, nobody ever said failure is not an op- option during uh, Apollo 13, but they should have. It sounded, it sounded like something Gene Kranz would say. It certainly did, yeah. And... Uh, you know, again, I, I I think what I read on the subject was that uh, uh, I know Gene told me that they, you know, he did have these talks where he would tell everybody, you have to believe we're going to get through this, that we're going to get the crew out there, and you need to make other people believe it as well. And I, and I want to say what I had read was that Ron Howard sort of picked up on that vibe, and that's where the line came from. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, Gene took took that, that phrase – and used it in uh, his uh, his book about his life at Mission Control from uh, from Mercury to Apollo 13 beyond, like it says on the on the cover of the book. Uh, what this this these past three minutes that we've been watching him in uh, yeah in in with his uh, with the trench people, the people in Mission Control, uh, and there were also the engineers were there too, even though he was not responsible, he was in operations, but he had engineers there too talking to to what they needed to get done. There was a lot more that he goes over in the book that explains uh, it, it wasn't he wasn't as angry as it comes across in here. He didn't he wasn't, you know, or else. He wasn't that kind of a he wasn't that kind of a manager. He's more of a you know, he's the quarterback. He was the he was the head coach. And uh, I just wanted to here's a, a paragraph I wanted to read from his book Failure is not an option uh, that continued what was going on when he was talking with uh, the three people there it was um, Aaron um, Alderson Peters. So he said, uh, my message to everyone in, is to rely on your own judgment. Update your data as you go along. If you are not the right person, step aside and send me someone who is. When you leave this room, you will pass to no uncertainty to our people. They must become believers if we are to succeed. And I, 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 Chris, you were talking about that yesterday, that he really he wanted them to succeed. And the only way to get people to succeed is for they themselves to believe that they were going to succeed. I think that's yeah. one of the one of the best management uh, ideas you can get across with somebody is that you have to teach people that it's okay to have doubt, but never have doubt in yourself. Um, I, I, I mean, and if you do have doubt in yourself, find somebody else who doesn't have doubt in themselves so they can get the job done. Uh, and th- he tried to get people to leave their egos behind and realize their capabilities and uh, and if they were not capable then they shouldn't you know they shouldn't be working there they shouldn't be working on this job um, much like you were saying about when you know being an air traffic controller you have to know that you are the best qualified person at that particular shift on that particular day to get the job done because lives depend lives depend on these on these kind of uh, jobs yeah absolutely I mean I, and I remember him uh, one of my favorite quotes from him uh, Gene told us that uh, in order to, to successfully get through this, we would have to check our egos at the door uh, and pull together as a team. 
And I remember him saying that because I've used that quote many, many times, uh, just because I always thought that was uh, pretty fantastic. And you know, the other thing I, that I that I I know uh, that he has said is that you know he put stock in every person. There's a reason why every person that worked mission control was in that seat, and that's because they were the best. And he didn't want to micromanage. You know, they were there because they were you know, the best, whatever, you know, e-com or whatever position it was. And he said, we, we would get nowhere if I sat there and micromanaged. I just had to believe the data that was coming back from my team. Uh, and he had that kind of trust in each one of those people. It, uh, it really speaks volumes. I mean, that and the whole, you know, the, you know, the famous uh, speech that he gave on the inside loop, you know, on Apollo 11 about, you know, standing behind his team and, and, you know, not leaving the room and, and unless they all left together, whether they had crashed, aborted, or landed. And I thought that was, you know, yeah. the management style of Gene Kranz is something I think uh, corporate America could use more of. Yeah, it's definitely, it, it really is the hallmarks of leadership. That and, and you know that that kind of a, that kind of an attitude, that kind of a personality inspires people to be the best they can be. So it, it I think that's how we got to the moon is by having people like Gene Kranz in charge who could, pick the right team and trust that team to get the job done without being second guessed at every, at every turn. Um, there's a, and I, I apologize and maybe you'll, you'll remember, I know we've had a little bit of a break and everything Did did I ever tell you about how they, how they learned the actor learned to be Gene Kranz? Did we talk about that already? Um, you know, we may have, but it's been a while. <laughs> it's uh, been a while. I, I can tell you a great story. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> we, yeah. Go, go right we, ahead. If we, if, if, the, if we heard it before, we'll hear it again. That's okay. Fine. Sounds good. Play it again. <laughs> we yeah. had the, uh, when we had the Apollo 13 reunion here, um, I also had, uh, we had Gene Kranz, Jim Lovell, Fred Hayes, Bill Reeves, and Milt Windler. Uh, those were the, the guys that were here and Milt Windler and Bill Reeves, um, you know, a lot of the astronauts uh, and the actors who played them got to spend time together. Um, Ed Harris was making another movie, and he couldn't break away from that production. So what he did was he looked up who would be the experts, um, and he had Milt Windler and Bill Reeves actually go stay on set at the other movie he was making. Right. I, if I remember correctly, it was... It was... I, I think we may have heard this story, but it was telling him about how to hold the pencil the right way. Well, or? so he was clicking a pen. He would always oh, click okay. a pen. And they shot a scene, and Gene, the real Gene Kranz, watched them film the scene. And he was like, well, that's good, but what about the, why did you keep clicking that pen? And I can't remember if it was Bill Reeves or Milt Linder that basically, you know, was like, you clicked that pen all the way up to the moon on Apollo 11. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I I always thought that was uh, pretty comical, you know, that Ed Harris had to learn how to be Gene Kranz. (laughs) Wow, yeah, start with a pen clicking. Yeah, Um, yeah. (laughs) Wow. Well, uh, this next scene, as as we finish with, you know, not on my watch and uh, failure is not an option, and then Ed Harris walks out out of the scene and we, we jump to a scene of uh, Ken Mattingly, which this is another. This is a scene that did not happen. Uh, Ken Ken didn't go on a drinking binge and watch TV while he was <laughs> while this thing was on. He was in and out with the, with the white team and with the with the black team. Uh, he was well aware of what was going on up there, and uh, he teamed up with. Uh, now I, I want to say this uh, this next scene where we're watching uh, someone come in and knock on the door. If you look in the IMDb, there's a bit of trivia that says this is the only time that John Aaron doesn't wear his uh, glasses while he's uh, while he's in the movie that uh, John Aaron, the actor that played John Aaron uh, is 
is in the you know is, is waking up Ken Mattingly. But this is not uh, John Aaron. This is John Young. John Young was the backup uh, commander of Apollo 13. So uh, we're seeing we're seeing supposedly John Young getting uh, Ken Mattingly up to date on uh, on what was happening in uh, you know with Apollo 13. But but Ken was well aware he was he was all part of this and was working very closely with the backup team, trying to figure out uh, what you know what uh, resources they had on the on the Apollo 13 command module and or on the uh, and the lunar module that could get them through on the on the flight. Um, now the actor that plays John Young in this uh, clip is it the same guy that played um one of the crew members on Apollo 1 and from the Earth to the Moon? Uh he kind of yeah. looks like him. <laughs> I'm trying to think Chris I, I was thinking look well he kind of has that Chris Isaac's haircut. Chris Isaac was the fellow that played Ed White. Okay. So yeah. yeah, he does. It's I think it's the haircut, but yeah, Chris uh, Isaac, you know, uh, yeah. wicked wicked game that guy, you know, the the singer. He yes, played, yeah, he yeah. played Ed White, yeah. yeah. And uh, they both had that big uh, pompadour <laughs> hairdo, <laughs> um, but it looked it was good on this guy, uh, and he does he does bear a striking resemblance to John Young. Um, uh, it's uh, of course. <laughs> Gary Sinise looks absolutely nothing like Ken Mattingly. <laughs> I don't think they could get. Uh, I don't think they could get Gary to uh, shave his head for the. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For the role. <laughs> and so, I've yeah. said it before. I probably have said it, you know, before, but uh, I'll say it again. Uh, my favorite quote from Ken Mattingly is that I like the second half of the movie a lot better because I get to be the hero. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, you know, and I. Scary thing is, I think I may have had the sheets that are on Ken Mattingly's bed. I think I may have had them back in the mid seventies. I, I, <laughs> I, I swear those are J.C. Penney specials. I can't make out if this is supposed to be like his house or is this apartment. I um, I I don't know if this is like a rental apartment or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I can't. And like, why do they have a key to it? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Because <laughs> then I was like, well, maybe he was supposed to be in a hotel room or something. Like, yeah, but I don't think they'd hang pictures of you know, the earth up on the screen. And I don't think he'd have a, would he have a last December's copy of uh, national geographic on the, uh, on the nightstand? Yeah. That's just really, the whole thing, like, cause if it's not a hotel or a, or, or a, uh, or an apartment, then you're just like, how do? Why are you in my house? <laughs> like, yeah. How did you get a key? And yeah, why and did you think I was dead? <laughs> if he's, yeah, if he's in the armed forces. Is, you know, wouldn't he have like maybe a gun or something? Yeah. <laughs> about yeah. just walking in on somebody. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, just very peculiar. Um, but it's you know it's a movie and it's only for thirty seconds. We're not supposed to think about it that hard. Right. Right. It's not like some guys in the future are gonna do a show minute by minute of the thing. Yeah, and you know, considering that at the same time, and he he married uh, Elizabeth Daly in 1970, so I don't, you know, this could be a house. He may have a wife or something. I don't know what. Right. I don't know yeah. what month they got married in, but. Um, <laughs> oh, excuse me. He uh, he got married on uh, April 17th. So, uh, really, he got married the week after. The... Wow. <laughs> um. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no. The date. Excuse me. No, he. I'm sorry. He married two years before. He's uh, 1972. He's married. Hmm, this is odd. Okay, I'm looking at the New York Times uh, for April 17th, 1972, and they said that uh, Mattingly, now 36 years old in 1972, he did not marry until two years ago. 
That would put it in April of 1970. So was he busy getting married while he was getting ready to go to the moon? I, what the heck? I have to find out what... Oh, this is a mystery. Okay, before the before this decade is out, before this movie's <laughs> over, we've got to find out what, what month he got married. Yeah, yeah, that's um, very strange. And they were doing, like, there's a scene where the night show is talking about the first Bachelor astronaut. Yeah. You know, so, like, I wonder if that would that have... Would that still have been... Mattingly, if you know, like I know they're talking about Swagger, but you know, that's just, the whole thing is just weird. That's, yeah, that's, I, I can't get over that he got married in April of 1970. That's just. <laughs> hmm. Hey, when I get back from the moon, we'll get married. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, since I didn't go, I, yeah, um, we'll move it up and we'll get it done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And, uh, you know, and then, gosh, you marry somebody, and then two years later, they're on the way to the moon again in uh, Apollo Jeez. 16. So. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Okay, that's a mystery that we are gonna, we have to we only have uh, sixty six more uh, episodes, so we we do have to resolve <laughs> get, that somehow. Get to the bottom of that. We'll have to call Catamatically and get him on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's a, that's a good starter question. Yeah. By the way, <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, when did you get married? <laughs> yeah, when, when exactly was that? In April of nineteen seventy, but when? Yeah. Uh, um, so then, uh, you know, uh, uh, Ken has to sit there and. And absorb all the stuff that he already knows in real life, but uh, we'll 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 let that slide. It's all part of the uh, the Ron Howard uh, method of telling the story. So this is how this is how you get a lot of um, dialogue and exposition out of the way, and they keep hammering home that uh, they're lost, and we've got to get to work on it, Ken. So you get you know you get up and uh, and go to it. So then we get back to the real John Aaron, who's wearing a tie um, in this, and he's ex- he starts explaining about how. Um, and this is going to be this is a more more thinly disguised exhibition exposition where uh, we've got to make sure that it doesn't go over uh, was it twelve amps, but uh, uh, this is the setup for for the next minute where they're they're in the uh, uh, the simulator room and explaining everything that's going on. They, fortunately, they have a a coffee pot nearby, so we'll, we'll we'll work on that a little bit more tomorrow when <laughs> when we explain why there's a. a why there's a, a coffee pot perched precariously next to all the test equipment. <laughs> um, but uh, that's all, you know. You just reminded me of the old, there's an old SNL skit, uh, the Pepsi Cola spill. Bill Murray is at a control panel and he accidentally spills Pepsi over the control panel of like a nuclear uh, reactor uh, oh. site. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking Fate is the Hunter, as uh, we were talking about yesterday. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, you really, didn't you see Fate is the Hunter? You don't want a coffee pot anywhere near this thing. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's only a movie, but it, it, it'll, it'll, it'll tell the story. Um, so, uh, so John Aaron explains to the you know the audience and to the, to the guy there that if the the ammeter rises over 20 amps then uh then it's no good and uh the guys can't have can't use reentry because then they'll uh, they'll lose the you know they'll lose the batteries for the the charging for the for the batteries in the in the reentry uh program um and that's where that's where all this kind of ends i'm I'm tempted tomorrow just to talk about coffee pots in movies because now I'm, I'm thinking of a whole <laughs> bunch of coffee pots you know there's a coffee pot scene in airport uh, there's a coffee pot oh, scene, yeah. and there's a, so a coffee pot scene in an airplane. How about some coffee, Johnny? No <laughs> yeah, thanks. No yeah. thanks. <laughs> um, there's a one of my favorite coffee. Actually, I guess this is going to be our coffee pot. <laughs> um, 
There's a great coffee pot scene in, uh, do you ever see the 1965 movie Fantastic Voyage with uh, Raquel Welch, Stephen Boyd? Oh, yeah, they, yeah. They get injected in the guy with a brain tumor or, or anyway, or he's got a blood clot. And, uh, oh, gosh, now, Thomas Mitchell and, uh, I'm going to break my, oh, Arthur O'Connell and Thomas Mitchell are chatting over, um, over their two generals are, that are, talking over uh you know what's what's going to be happening and and uh they, they have 60 minutes to get these people into a body and then out of a body or they're all going to grow and uh they they get distracted anyway they wind they wind up in a different part of the body and there's only 15 minutes left and uh, uh thomas mitchell goes over and picks up the coffee pot and he goes 15 minutes and he looks at it what a time to run out of coffee uh, <laughs> That's no joke, though. I'll tell you, the uh, it's kind of funny. We had a coffee pot uh, in the control tower, and uh, if you got it, you got low on coffee, that got serious. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was uh, not a joking matter. <laughs> uh, uh, wow. Well, I'm I am not a coffee drinker, but my uh, my wife picks up the world's share of mine uh, in, <laughs> in, in, to, to make up for it, and uh, I. I don't drink coffee, but I've made lots and lots and lots of pots of coffee for my wife. So I'm a, I do understand the need. <laughs> need for, there used to be an old, I, I don't even remember, like about 20 years ago, there was a there was a 7-Eleven commercial where these people were walking around like uh, werewolves and they were all going, Rawr! and they'd walk into a 7-Eleven and pick up a cup of coffee and then they'd drink it. And uh, then the, the guy at the, the counter would say, hi, Fred. And so then... Uh, <laughs> The guy would walk out the door and meet meet some some other guy and he'd go hi Edgar and then Edgar would be um, it's just, I I I've learned as just a matter of a, of marital harmony and marital bliss make the coffee as soon as possible <laughs> yeah. getting it and my wife appreciates it greatly. I'll tell yeah. you that uh, I think it's something aviation and nurses and the medical industry I think uh, same way. My wife when she wakes up I mean first thing she has to do is go make some coffee and. Uh, <laughs> I can kind of take it or leave it. Like, I don't mind it, but it it's not one of those things where I can't go about my day without coffee. Um, yeah, it, uh, but I, I, I've made a ton of it. And as a matter of fact, it was my first duty when you first get to the tower. That was the first thing they, <laughs> they showed me is, you drink coffee? And I said, well, occasionally. And it's, well, it's your duty to make sure the oncoming guys have a fresh pot, you know, and that. <laughs> I thought they were joking, and it's no, that's a big deal. No, no, no. It's, <laughs> so. it's important. Yeah, don't miss that, or it's going to be you'll be written up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, real trouble. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, this has been a, a wide-ranging minute, yeah. and uh, we've we've got we've got plenty more to go, but we're getting down to the we're coming up to the final hour of this. I can't can't get over that we're 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 dwindling down, but there's lots of excitement and things coming up ahead. If you would like to talk about this show on the social media, we are always available on Facebook at Apollo 13 Minutes Mission Control. You can also find us on Twitter at Apollo 13 Minutes. Uh, if you haven't been listening or you're getting them irregularly, try to go to uh, either uh, Apple Podcasts or Google Play or Spotify, and you can uh, look for us under Apollo 13 Minutes. Just uh, click subscribe, and you'll get us delivered hot and fresh, just like a, like a nice cup of coffee every morning, Monday through Friday. Uh, but join us here tomorrow as we continue uh, looking at coffee pots and ammeters. Uh, looks like we're coming up on uh, Lost of Signal in about 30 seconds, so we will see you next time right here on the Apollo 13 Minute.